Welcome to Broadway Radio's Review Recap Episode 4, The Minutes. My name is Matt Tamanini. As you likely know by now, if you are listening to this in Patreon, it is a standalone episode. But if you are hearing it in the regular feed, welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, April 18th, 2022. The Minutes, the new play by Tracy Letts, officially opened on Broadway on Sunday night, more than two years after having its first preview. It originally began performances on February 25th of 2020, before obviously having to shut down due to the pandemic. There have been a lot of changes in the world and in this cast since then, which I'll leave to one of the reviews to bring up. As I said, the play is written by Pulitzer Prize winner Tracy Letts, who also stars in the show. He is joined in the cast by Tony winners Blair Brown and Jesse Mueller. Ian Barford, who starred in Letts' last play on Broadway, Linda Vista, is also in the cast. Two-time Tony nominee K. Todd Freeman. The legendary Austin Pendleton is also in the show, along with many others. Directed by Tony winner Anna D. Shapiro, who helmed Letts' August Osage County, the play takes a look at the inner workings of a city council meeting in the small town of Big Cherry, and the hypocrisy, greed, and ambition that follow. The Minutes takes a humorous portrayal of democracy and action that proves that everything you know can change. It's just a matter of minutes. After all, the smallest towns keep the biggest secrets. The show is currently slated to play Studio 54 through July 10th. Review aggregator site Did They Like It had collected 10 reviews as of publication time. Seven were positive and three were mixed. Starting first with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick, writing, quote, Ultimately, I came to feel that if it is the theater's main business to mirror who we are, to act like the minutes of a meeting as an absolute record of what we say and how we behave, then The Minutes does what a play aimed mostly at white people must. It shows us how we are starting to understand, but still mostly failing to accept, that our privileges are tied to a history of denying them to others. I think it is warning us, in its own dramatic way, to do better before The Minutes, as they will, harden into millenniums. He also said, quote, Let's, a master of the American macabre, make something quite different of these middling workplace comedy ingredients. Not a Parks and Recreation, nor even a Miles for Mary, but a deeply troubling play about history and horror. Vulture's Helen Shaw was more mixed, writing, quote, Time is caught up to the minutes. When the civic comedy was announced for the 2020 Broadway season, it seemed like a prescient choice, full of up-to-the-moment thoughts about governance. Between the parentheses of March 2020 and April 2022, actor Armie Hammer left the cast after his reputation combusted, Trump befouled the transfer of power, and the insurrectionist revealed the chaos at the heart of our democracy. Every postponed production has had to account for lost time and changed context, but the gap posed a special challenge for the minutes. The show deals with a city council meeting, and we've spent 700 days watching such conclaves accelerate beyond fractiousness into Kafka-esque terror. Events raced past Letts' script, with death threats and violence interrupting school board meetings and public health hearings. Juvenalian satire requires that it be more extreme than reality. Imagine Jonathan Swift having supply chain issues, only to discover that the English had actually started eating babies before he could publish. That is an absurdly wonderful uh, connection and way to make her point, which is no doubt why Helen Shaw is one of the best in the business. 
Rishi Metallic, writing for Did They Like It, said, quote, The Minutes is a piece as mysterious as it is ferociously entertaining. Among the play's many pleasures is the humor it finds in the tedium of politics. Let's deftly captures the absurdity, confusion, and passive aggression that animates these gatherings. And we will wrap up the reviews for this episode with Deep Tran for Broadway News, who was less enthusiastic, writing, quote, the script has the potential to be painfully relevant, but let's stop short of fully interrogating each character's response. If you would like to read more from the reviews for the minutes, I will have the links to both the Did They Like It and Broadway World Review roundups in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Broadway Radio. If you are hearing it via Patreon, have a wonderful Monday. And if you are listening to this in the regular feed, enjoy the rest of today on Broadway. Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, April 18th, 2021. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, um, for everybody out there, we're recording on Sunday evening. To mm-hmm. everyone who celebrates uh, Passover, Easter, Ramadan, yep. Yep. this is yep. like once every 33 years, all three of those holidays overlap. So if you are somebody who celebrates one of those holidays or any working. other holiday, yeah, <laughs> settle down, tiger. <laughs> Um, Three holidays simultaneously, and yes. None of which you celebrate. Here we are. You don't celebrate any of those holidays. Mm, You'll be fine. mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, we wish you the best. We hope you had a wonderful holiday. Um, Hopefully, if you were driving to and fro, getting back to various holiday celebrations, you listened to some of our fantastic episodes in the podcast feed over the weekend. We had an interview that I've been teasing for a while with Steve Haggard, who is currently playing... Harry Potter and Harry Potter and the Cursed Child on Broadway. Steve and I did high school theater together. Um, multiple shows, four or five shows. Uh, it was an absolute joy to talk to him. We had a great time, uh, and I hope that comes through in the interview that dropped in your feed on Friday. Then, because of the holiday, we had this week on Broadway come to you on Saturday, in which Peter, Michael, and James talked about Cyrano at BAM, roundabouts, uh, or birthday candles at, uh, from Roundabout, uh, The Little Prince, Harmony playing off-Broadway, and more. And then on Sunday, Jennifer McHugh and I had our latest episode of This Week in Theater, in which um, I spoke to Stephanie Fry from Actors' Equity about the current unionization battle around the various tours of Waitress. Uh, Jen talked to Kingsley Legs from the world premiere production of The Wanderer, The Paper Mill Playhouse. Then I gave my review of the Cats tour. Jen gave her review of the Rent tour. We discussed Better Nate Than Ever uh, and some other things Ooh, along the way. Ooh, do need to watch that. Yeah, so uh, check out all that stuff in the podcast feed. You have oodles and oodles of content to uh, get you into your week. You would need a really long commute back to wherever you live to get in all of that, I think. Like a flight to New Zealand or something. I I don't even know if a flight from Florida to New York could get all of that in. No, God no. Because I didn't see how long uh, this week on Broadway was, but this week in theater was an hour. My conversation with Steve was about 45 minutes. So if if this week on Broadway, which is normally about an hour, uh, was an hour. That's two hours and forty five minutes. That's that's longer than mm. a flight from mm, Orlando mm, mm. to New York. So mm. now, when you include the sitting on the runways, it probably works. But yeah, anyway, maybe. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you could get all that stuff, of course, in your Patreon feed before you get it anywhere else, Patreon.com/slash Broadway Radio. 
All right, Ashley, let's get into the news. And on Friday, we learned uh, that the Broadway Uh. League had decided that it would be extending its mask mandate for audience members at Broadway shows through at least May 31st. But, and there is a major but, which seems seems counterintuitive to me, Uh, but they decided that they would leave the requirement for vaccination checks up to the individual theater owners after April 31st. So beginning in May, theater owners can decide what to do when it comes to vax checks. The Schuberts, who are the largest theater owner on Broadway, they said they will not require proof of vaccination beginning on May 1st. Same will be true for Disney Theatrical, which at this point is is just, you know, they only have the New Amsterdam Theater. Roundabout will maintain the vaccine mandate at Birthday Candles, which is set to close on May 29th, but will allow um, Mrs. Doubtfire, which is renting the Stephen Sondheim Theater, mm-hmm. to make up their own decisions uh, on that. And Mrs. Doubtfire will drop its mask mandate. Um, Manhattan Theater Club, which obviously owns the Samuel J. Friedman Theater, will make a decision in the next few weeks. Um, the others we are still waiting to hear from. That's Actually, what, four more from there? It's Ambassador, Jujamson, Lincoln Center... Something else. Second stage with the Helen Hayes. Second stage and then Circle in the Square is independent. So I think that's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my thought on this, and I I have not studied the whatever the recommendations are from the CDC at this point, but Mm. to me, this feels more performative than anything else because we know that masks obviously work. So I'm not mad about them requiring the masks, but it's almost like, hey, we're doing this, but we're opening up our audience pool to non-vaccinated people while still requiring this, even though we know that the spread and the impact of these things can be, you know, mitigated by being vaccinated and being around vaccinated people. Now, that being said, um, I don't know that I would prefer them to keep the vaccination requirement and drop the mask mandate. I would prefer them to keep both. So I don't know from a scientific standpoint or a medical standpoint, if one over the other, which way that goes is better. Um, But it seems to me like this is their best way for them to have their cake and eat it, too. I I hate it. I just hate everything about it. And, you know, usually I would say that this is a business decision. And of course it is. But it's also just like of the people who are unvaccinated, how many of those people are booking trips to New York to go to Broadway is kind of what I'm curious about. That's interesting. Because otherwise, to me, it just doesn't make any sense. You have a city that is, you know, pretty primarily vaccinated. I think the rate right now is 70 something percent. And then the booster rate is abysmal. So that's always very stressful. Um, But it's just like, if you're going to get one after touting, I mean, New York City commercials are bananas as far as how often we get, go get your vaccination commercials. Um, If you're going to tout one so much more over the other. And I mean, they should be touting vaccines. I'm not saying that, of course, like everyone, please go get vaccinated if you haven't already. Um, But to get rid of that and still have masks when the requirements for masking at every organization is not going to be 
uh, uniform across the board. Like when I went to here to see the hang, they required a, a specific mask. They required KN94s or N95s, whatever. Um, and they would provide that for you if you didn't have it. That's not going to be the case on Broadway, I assume. They're not going to say, well, you have to have the absolute best kind. It's going to be, you can have cloth masks, which are pretty much useless right. at this point. I just, it's so counterintuitive to everything that Broadway has been working for towards health and safety at this point into getting everybody back on stage and back in the audience. Like I, you know, as someone who works in the industry, it completely stresses me out and, you know, really disgusts me as far as like, I'm gonna go to a crowd this large now where there's no requirement to get vaccinated, where I can go to a bar where <laughs> it's required to be vaccinated. And of course, you don't have to wear masks at, the, at that point. But like, why? Like, how am I ranking my safety, basically, at this point? Yeah. Like, how am I ranking what is good for me and what isn't? And one of them, unfortunately, is my job. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people that work in uh, theater kind of making that same thing. And obviously, this is after this huge rush of opening. So a lot of these people I've yeah. seen talking about this are journalists and critics who are going to a lot of shows now. Fortunately, yeah. though, they will be protected through the end of this month in terms of who around them is vaccinated. But mm -hmm. it, it this is something that I think a lot of people have had to deal with, not just in the theater community, but in the business world at large, is where do you draw the line as to keeping yourself safe, mm -hmm. where you feel comfortable and able to maintain your own health, and then having to deal with the fact that you have to go to work. And yeah. Of course, champagne problems when your job is like going and seeing Broadway shows. Sure, but, but then it's also the people who are on stage. And I mean, we've or in the or, or doing concessions yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Whatever. It's like someone it, it, working in theater, and it's yeah, just like it trickles out. Yeah, and how are you promoting these health and safety standards, especially within the league, especially within Actors Equity, and then have something like this, which is the complete antithesis to all of that. Yeah, it's strange. I, I wish I could understand a little bit more of what really went on in this. Um, Charlotte St. Martin, the president of the Broadway League, said in a statement, since resuming performances last fall, over 5 million attendees have seen a Broadway show, and the safety and security of our cast, crew, and audience has been our top priority. Our intention is that by maintaining strict audience masking through at least the month of May, we will continue that track record of safety for all. And of course, we urge everyone to get vaccinated. Not enough to or you know, requirement, <laughs> yeah. but um, we have a, a link to the Broadway news story on this that includes quotes and stuff from, you know, the the Adams administration, no Hamilton was, reference intended, yeah. <laughs> um, and some epidemiologists and stuff like that. So um, I was I was just about to say, I have to imagine beyond the, you know, I mean, the business side of it is really all of it. But I have to imagine a lot of this is political and has to do with our new mayor be. and his change of mandates. And that is really frustrating. <laughs> In every level. Yeah. Your your feelings are, are well noted. Oh, yeah. I'll get <laughs> tattooed across me and banners taken out to right in the sky at this point. <laughs> well, let's move on to something that is um, even more sad than the vaccination requirement lapsing, because last week we learned that iconic casting director Jay Bender had passed away at the age of 71. 
Jay Bender cast nearly 100 Broadway productions over a four-decade career, including such major award winners as The Lion King, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, Nice Work If You Can Get It, Beauty and the Beast, Lost in Yonkers, Jerome Robbins Broadway, and every single Neil Simon play that had been on Broadway mm-hmm. since 1990 through 2009, obviously not the most recent Um uh, uh, Plaza Suite. He was also one of the founders of City Center Encore and one of the folks that was uh, instrumental behind the Tony-winning revival of Chicago that obviously originated at Encore. He was also the associate director of multiple Broadway shows, including Lolita and Happy New Year, and directed premieres and world premieres and major productions at other theaters uh, around New York and around the country. In terms of film casting, he cast the movie musicals Hairspray, Dreamgirls, Chicago, and Nine, as well as HBO's Six by Sondheim. Mm -hmm. He was the recipient of 11... uh, uh, Ardios Awards, which honors the uh, uh, the casting industry, and uh, he uh, was twice nominated for Tony Awards for Best Revival of a Musical because he was also a producer on the 1998 revival of The Sound of Music and the 2010 revival of Finian's Rainbow. He retired uh, in July of 2020. Uh, and passed away on the uh, this past Friday. Mm. Uh, this is somebody who, if you follow folks on social media who are uh, actors, um, the basically every single person said that they owed their career to Jay Bender. Oh, of course, yeah. So it's it's uh, uh, obviously a, a huge loss for the theater community. Um, more personally and professionally, so. since he had you know already retired, so he wasn't actively working. Sure, um, but, but very much it, professionally. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is the thing of when you think about casting directors in film and television, there are so, so many of them. In theater, there's like three or four. So yeah. pretty much every, if, you know, if, if you work in theater, you've worked with the same casting directors over and over again. So to have such a large legacy, um, and to do so many shows, of course, everyone has had gotten a chance to work with him in some form. And as you said, it was their career to him and just very, very sad. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's take a break right there to talk about our sponsor for this week. Today Ticks, mm-hmm. our good friends over at Today Ticks. I'm getting ready to come up to New York yes, in you are. less than two weeks now. It's not this coming weekend, but the following weekend. I still have slots to fill on my schedule. Um, I've been waiting. Well, because everything is just kind of starting. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting to hear like word of mouth and reviews to see sure, what I want to sure, fill those sure, with. Sure. And I'm going to talk about one of them at the end of the at the end of the show that I do have tickets to, but we'll get mm-hmm. to that. But always part of my schedule making plans is today ticks because I've gotten to see so many more shows than I normally would because of how quick and easy today ticks makes getting tickets. They have amazing prices for some of the best theater, cabaret, comedy that I have ever seen. Yeah, to call them the one-stop shop for theater tickets is putting it lightly. They have the best value on tickets on Broadway and beyond. You just download the app or you visit todaytix.com and you find the show you want to see. Of course, there are so many, as we've already mentioned, opening right now. And if you want to try and keep on pace with the 3,000 shows that have opened this month, Today Ticks is where you go. Getting tickets is easier than ever. And with the Today Ticks app, you can check out in just 30 seconds and get your tickets with ease. Yeah, absolutely. When I 
have been trying to figure out what I wanted to see, when I wanted to go see it, I go to Today Takes to see what they have available, and that moves things up my list on my spreadsheet mm-hmm. in terms of, of whether I want to go see something or not, because I know I will always get a good deal to great tickets on Today Takes. And what's great about it is if I decide to wait a little bit longer, they provide flexibility. I can book them months in advance, which I haven't done for this trip, which yeah. I normally do, or I can get things day of if I decide to throw my entire personality away and be spontaneous. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is very impressive. Today Text gives you access to exclusive pre-sales, limited time offers, digital lottery programs to sold out shows and day of discounted tickets. So whatever you need, wherever you live, Today Text isn't just for Broadway or for just for the West End. You can also find tickets in cities across the country, around the world, and that includes Chicago, LA, DC, San Francisco, Sydney, and more. See that show that you've always wanted to see or discover something new that you'll love just as much for even less. Go to todaytakes.com slash Broadway and use promo code Broadway to get $10 off your first Today Ticks purchase. That's promo code Broadway at todaytix.com slash Broadway for an additional $10 off your first ticket purchase. Todaytix.com slash Broadway. All right, uh, Ashley, we are recording on Sunday, which means that we have a Broadway opening tonight. It is the minutes. We will talk about the theatrical schedule here in a second. But before we do, I wanted to talk about some off-Broadway, technically I think it's off-Broadway, an opening that happened last week that has been absolutely universally acclaimed and that is the brooklyn academy of music production of cyrano directed by jamie lloyd and starring james mcavoy this is a very freely adapted version of cyrano de bergerac which was of course originally written by edmund rostand and this is this adaptation is by martin crimp it is playing bam through may 22nd I'm not going to go too deep into the reviews, but I will start with Jesse Green of the New York Times, who made the show a critic's pick. He said, quote, McAvoy's neck tingling burr and all the other sounds made by the wonderfully diverse cast, including Michelle Austin as the regendered Ragino and Vanika Dadhira uh, as the bubbly beatboxer, reopened my ears to a story I knew too well. If I was stopped now and then by Crimp's more mystifying conceits, a borscht belt envoy, I spent most of the production's swift two acts fully engaged in its humor, pathos, and fury. Caroline McGinn, writing for Time Out New York, gave the show five out of five stars. Hello. Writing, quote, as for the nose, no Gerard Depardieu style extensions here. This Cyrano's ugliness is a metaphor or maybe even an artist's blessing and curse. It makes him a monster, but also special. When invited to sell out and become a published playwright, he says he needs to isolate me so I can create. Which brings us to another crucial point. Adapter Martin Krimp, a bleak, formally experimental playwright who is, as they say, big in Germany, has in his 60s written an absolute banger in this startling adaptation of Rostand. Wow, stealing my words. (laughs) Banger. Absolute Um, banger. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pleasure to see it brought back to life by McAvoy and Company following its inaugural 2019 run and short recent stops in the West End in Glasgow. If this is the sound of middle-aged white guys rapping, then maybe more of them should give it a go. <laughs> and finally, maybe not. Maybe um, not. Just, just one line from Helen Shaw, writing for Vulture, said, quote, Some of this hyper-management struck me as mannered, but visually and sonically... 
the production is perfect. Wow. All right. Yeah. So pretty good reviews. Obviously, Not James shabby, McAvoy, yeah. big star. Oh, love. Um, yeah, so, so let's go. Um, well, let's go ahead and go into this week's theatrical opening schedule. As I teased yeah. uh, a second ago, we are recording on the seventeenth. The minutes is getting ready to open here shortly, so that means in the Patreon feed later on Sunday night, I will have the review recap episode. It'll be a part of today on Broadway in the regular feed. So if you're listening in the regular feed, you've already heard it. Then, later this week, we have three openings. On Tuesday the 19th, we have How I Learned to Drive from Manhattan Theater Club. Then on Wednesday the 20th, we have For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When Rainbows Aren't Enough. Um, and then on Thursday the 21st, we have Hangman. Then I guess back... If we're going looking ahead a little bit mm. next Sunday, even though we'll record um, the episode before that, um, the 24th will be the opening of Funny Girl starting yeah. off six straight days of openings, mm-hmm. but it's six straight days of seven openings. Seven openings. Because yeah. on the 27th, we have Mr. Saturday Night and POTUS. So lots of stuff happening. Going to be a, a, a busy two oh boy, couple oh boy. weeks. Yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Starting to regret volunteering to do individual recap episodes uh, of all the reviews, but better you eh. than me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, one of those shows that will be opening in the next two weeks. In fact, it'll be the last show to open over the next two weeks. Is the Broadway revival of the Scottish play? Normally, I would just say it because I'm not on stage. But given how unbelievably unfortunate this production has been, I'm not saying the name of this show. As you know, on April 1st, this production had to shut down because of a. COVID test in the company. The next day, Daniel Craig, the star of the show, also tested positive. So the show was shut down from April 11th through April 12th. When the show returned on April 12th, um, uh, you know, sold out, really exciting. Then on Thursday night, <laughs> things got <laughs> went from bad to not as bad because it, they still had a show. They had, they had so many people who were still out of the show. All of the understudies were on stage, and yet they still had a role missing. So mm-hmm. instead of canceling the production and refunding all of the money that would have been associated with that, director Sam Gold grabbed a script and went on stage for the show. He played the <sighs> um, the one of the Thanes, Lennox, as well as another role played by that actor, and uh, performed the show with book in hand, which apparently, since there's no set, that probably fit in just absolutely perfectly. I was going to say, yeah, you can't um, get more scaled down than that than just have the creatives do the show with a book in hand. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest with you, that is something that I would have loved to have been in the theater for, because like that's such a cool sure. live theater moment that you can't get anywhere else, so... I would, I think I would like it in theory if I, you know, was being comped for it. I feel like as someone, I, mean, I guess it depends on the role too of, of all that. Uh, if I was paying for it, I feel like maybe not so much, but you got to do what you got to do. The show must go on, as they say. Especially when there's that much money. It's oh like. my goodness almighty. Well, and also I mentioned that this is the last show to open. So yeah. there is no possibility for this show to push back its opening no. if these COVID yeah. things. I said this at the time when they canceled all those product performances at the beginning of April. Like, what do you do? You've got to make it work. Not a damn thing. Yeah, you just have to make it work. And I guess canceling another pr- product or performance wasn't you know, good financially or no. in terms of that. But it's a really nice bookend for the the mask and vax and yeah, the stuff that we seriously. had at the start of the show. Really nice. Yeah. 
Um, real quick, let's run through the rest of the stories here because uh, it's been a long one. I would just note that the movie musical adaptation of The Color Purple is adding yet another star. Recent Grammy winner John Batiste, uh, yeah. he is joining the production as Grady, the husband of Suge Avery, who is being played by Taraji P. Henson. Mm-hmm. Everybody and their mom is in that movie, so that should be fun. <laughs> yeah. And then there's an article by The Washington Post, which I won't go into any details because, like I said, we're running long, but it has to do with the cancellation of last fall's um, production of of Tony Stone um, at Arena mm. Stage. And it's a really interesting look at this, um, at, at an issue where an actress did not feel safe in a scene on stage. It's a lot of she said, she said in this case, because the, the person who she did not feel safe with was a man in the co-star, but really he's out of the kind of the conversation around the cancellation. It has more to do with the actress and the management at arena stage. Mm. So they have pretty much everybody on record in here from um, director Pam McKinnon to both of the actors involved to the management at arena stage. Um, It's one of those things where you can kind of see everybody's side and everybody probably didn't behave as well as they could have. Um, But it's an interesting article and one that if we had a little bit more time, maybe we could get a little bit Mm. more in depth to, but I recommend reading it. And then let's wrap up the show with this uh, with a production that I mentioned earlier that I absolutely have to see. I have tickets already, and that is POTUS, or Behind Every Great Dumbass Are Seven Women Trying to Keep Him Alive. This show has absolutely blown up on social media over the weekend. Yeah. This has become like the thing that everybody is most excited about this year. And it all started when they posted a video of apparently the fact that it's a new play with a mega mix curtain call where like all of the women in the cast come out with a mic in hand and sing and do choreography. I mean, so many of these people are musical theater folks as well, from Leah Delaria to Vanessa Williams to Lily Cooper to Julianne Huff. Um, I don't think Julie White has a musical theater background or uh, Rachel Dratch, but, uh, you know, so many of these people are musical theater folks that it makes sense. I have absolutely no idea what this is about, uh, the mega mix specifically, but the show in general that I'm... trying to stay away from spoilers as much yeah, as really possible because this looks absolutely bonkers and unhinged and i'm <laughs> so excited to see it can't wait all right that's all that we have for today thanks for listening to today on broadway follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at broadway radio and you can find me on twitter and instagram at bww matt ashley where can people find you you can find me on twitter and instagram at no this is ashley all right everybody have a wonderful week and we'll be back to talk to you tomorrow 